Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Right now, we're in a critical time in our world. Leaders are needed. Leaders are needed at levels like never before. It's leaders that are going to help us to define the future, to be able to take the next steps. Leadership is required. That being said, for all of us, leadership has to happen at least on two dimensions. First of all, we have to be able to lead, which means we have to lead ourselves. Secondly, if our organizations are going to do well, then we have to lead our leaders. In our last lesson, I talked about how that you need to invest in your vault. And investing in your vault is exposing yourself to leadership on all levels of all types of all kinds so that you begin to have content and context so that you can lead well. Another thing I mentioned is is that leaders have to lean on their leaders, and therefore we have to invest in our leaders. And investing in our leaders means you have to be sharing with them, giving them the tools to be able to lead effectively. I want to mention a book that I wrote, Paul on Leadership. Now, this is taken from the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, his leadership as he began to lead an infant church into maturity. Now, in this book, Paul on Leadership, there are really four concepts, what Paul would say to a brand new leader, that person who's just taking the initial steps in leadership. What would he say to them? Then what would Paul say to a growing leader, that leader who may not be new, but is growing in their leadership depth and their leadership width in life? And then what is it that Paul would say to every leader, whether you're a new leader, an old leader, what would he say? What would he communicate? And then what would Paul say to a mature leader? that leader who has maybe proven himself over time, and what would Paul say to that particular leader? I love this book because in there, there's a section that deals with fears, the fears of leaders. Fear is one of those tangible things that people are facing right now. But if a leader is going to lead, he or she has to deal with the fears that they face. And in this particular section, there are seven fears that a leader has to deal with. Inadequacy, failure, rejection, people, hurt, trusting, and change. This book is gold. Just those seven fears. What do you do with them? How do you manage them? How do you handle them? It's critical. I think this would be a good read for you. It would be a good investment tool for your leaders It would be a good way for you to do uh, some leadership development going through this book, highlighting certain points of it, maybe communicating that to your leader. So if you're interested in that, you can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and you can get that book online. So I just want to encourage you. Second thing, uh, one of the events that has been happening pretty regularly in my life is I've been doing uh, Zoom calls uh, with church leaders and Zoom calls where they'll get their key staff together, their key organizational leaders together, and I'll take 30 minutes and just talk to them about leadership. 
if that's something you're interested in, why don't you reach out to Cody Brooks? Uh, you can go online and you can get his information and just reach out to him because uh, he can tell you what that'll look like and what that will feel like. Today, I want to jump into the second part of a lesson that we began um, in our last podcast, Leading When You're Tired. What do you do when you're dead tired? What do you do when you've given every bit of emotion, energy that you have, and yet you still have to lead? What do you do when the crisis won't go away and you have to lead in a profound way? Well, there's no better example of leading when you're tired than the example given in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There Paul is talking, and he's talking about leading when you're tired. He starts off in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, do not lose heart. It says, don't give up. Don't quit. It's interesting. He goes on, and at the end of the chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't quit. Don't give up. Between these two bookends of don't lose heart are some very important keys on how to manage leadership when you're tired. We're not going to cover everything that we covered in the first podcast because you can go back and readily grab a hold of that content. But what I do want to do is just set the framework and jump into today. Paul started by saying, therefore, since we have this ministry. Now, for those of you that are in secular ministry, maybe this is going to be a little bit blind to you, but let me just start by saying this. It's not your gift that drains you. It's ministering to people that tires you. And right now, there are so many needs that people have that if you're in a leadership position, you're filling those needs. Uh, How do you handle somebody who's stuck at home? and they feel trapped. You're feeling that need that they have. What do you do with that person that for the first time is having to educate their kids and be the frontline educator? You're feeling that need. What do you deal with the person who has come down sick? You're feeling that need. What are you doing with the person who is uh, having their job cut? What do you do with that need? See, it's not your gift, that's your strength that tires you out. It is ministering to the needs of others that can be wearying. And that's what Paul's talking about. He goes through some things that are critical, but I want to pick up on one that I talked to you about last time. And that is in 2 Corinthians 4.4. It talks about the God of this world who hath blinded the minds of them that do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Now, here's the thing. We all are leading in a world that is very tangible right now. But current realities may be natural in how they present themselves. But they are spiritual in their roots. Now, I want to dig down on this. See, we're dealing with a natural virus, the coronavirus. We're dealing with the natural need that people have had to quarantine. That is very natural. We're dealing with the fact that people are uncertain in their minds. That is natural. We're dealing with the fact that every email that goes out or every newscast that maybe there's going to be something new and something different, 
people are reacting to. Those are very natural. But this world just isn't natural. There's a God of this world. We know that, that when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, it says that the devil came to him and showed him all the kingdoms of this world, and he said, I will give them to you. Now, the interesting background to that is, is that's exactly what Jesus had come to do, was take over the dominion of this world, to take over the lordship of this world, to begin to implement a, a new will. The kingdom of God has come. That's what he came for. But we see that he's being tempted. That tells us two things. One, it's not a temptation unless the offer was real. See, the devil's offering him something that he has in his dominion. He has all of the kingdoms of this world. They all belong to him. Why do they belong to him? Because back in Genesis 3, Adam, who had been given authority over this world, had been entrusted by God with this world. He had been given the lease to this world for a period of time. And for that period of time, he could do with it what he wanted to do. And when he sinned, he gave this world over to the devil. Now, this world is natural, but it has spiritual influences on it. And what I'm saying to you is, in crisis, we have to deal with both realities. We have to deal with the reality of what is naturally before us, a virus. But we also have to deal with the reality of what's behind it, which is an adversary, a spiritual dominion that is seeking to impress its will upon mankind. And if you are going to lead in crisis, you have to lead in both dominions. So let me tell you how it looks around here. I am spending more time praying than I've ever prayed. I'm spending more hours in prayer than I've ever had to. The reason being is that I need to attack the thing that is trying to attack what I lead. So naturally, I'm planning but all my plans are not a replacement for praying. So I'm literally walking our property. Some of you have been here. We own two corners on a street that 400,000 cars come by every day. And in the midst of those cars coming by, I'm walking our property, believing that we are a city of refuge, taking spiritual authority and prayer that God gives us that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I'm exercising spiritual authority from God in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, saying that this place, this location is a city of refuge, and that anybody who steps on it, they are stepping into a safe place. And that because they're stepping on this property, that they are 
experiencing the healing power of God, that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it's dwelling in them. It's quickening. It's invigorating their bodies with health. It is giving them life. It is giving them health. It is giving them well-being. It is healing them. And so I'm walking this property, believing that everyone who steps on it, drives on it, comes inside our building, is running by it, that the health of God is flowing in them, that this is a safe place. Because as we're having meetings, and right now we're doing three kinds of meetings, we're doing indoor meetings, we're doing outdoor meetings, and we're doing online meetings, but anyone doing indoor meetings or outdoor meetings on our property, the health of God is flowing in them. I want that secured, not just by sanitation uh, standards that we've created in the house, but prayers that we've prayed over the house. I hope you get that. There's current realities. They are natural in how they present, but they are spiritual in their roots. And prayer is how you attack them. You attack them in and through prayer. So current realities must may be natural in how they present, but they're spiritual in their roots. No degree of planting is a substitute for exercising spiritual dominion in prayer. Second, crisis is a problem-rich environment. When you deal with crisis, you are dealing with a problem-rich environment. There are problems of all kind. And that's what Paul was talking about. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. In those little caveats of phrases, Paul describes four kinds of problems that you can deal with. He starts off and he says, we are hard-pressed. That term hard-pressed is taken from a sporting term, but it basically describes physical problems. Now, right now, there are physical problems. People are being quarantined. People are sick. People are dealing with a lack of income. They're dealing with layoffs. Those are physical problems. They are hard-pressed. They feel like they're pressed up against the wall and that life is squeezing out every bit of life. He said there are times when you're dealing with problems, you're hard-pressed, you're being pinned down, you do not have many physical options. But then he says, we're perplexed. These aren't physical problems. They're mental problems. Well, if we do this, how are we going to do this? Well, if we accomplish this, how are we going to accomplish this? Well, there's this problem, but then there's this problem. If we figure this out, well, what are we going to do over here? And what we're doing dealing with is the fact that in life, there are physical problems where we're hard-pressed, but there's mental problems where we're perplexed. And then he goes on and says persecuted. 
These are people problems, people who aren't supporting you, people that are against you, people that aren't giving the best to you, people that are opposing you, people that are in opposition to you. So get it. He's already described physical problems, mental problems, and people problems. And then he says, knock down personal problems. So it describes four kinds of problems. Physical problems were hard-pressed. Mental problems were perplexed. People problems were persecuted. Personal problems, we are knocked down. Now in crisis, do you know what happens? You don't get one of those. You get all of them. And so you've got to lead through all of them. You've got to lead through the physical problems of your organization, the mental problems that perplex you. They just seem like, man, they're eating at your brain day and night. People problems, people who aren't on board, are on board, who are on board for a little bit, not totally on board, who are on board for one thing, but not this thing. People problems and then personal problems that you go home and you're feeling the same thing everyone else is feeling. So here's what I know. If you're going to lead, you've got to understand that the roots of your problem aren't just natural, they're spiritual. And sometimes the problems you face aren't one-sided, they're four-sided. And in crisis, you're dealing with all four of those problems at once and constant continuum of problems coming your way. I get it. Paul said, therefore, we do not lose heart. Man, when you're dealing with problems and they're coming from all directions of all kind, man, it's easy to throw up your hands and say, I quit, had enough of this. You know that leadership deal? It was great when John Maxwell was up there being cute and giving us some little uh, quotes on how to do things. But you know, this leadership thing, it's pretty tough right now. I'm throwing up my hands. I don't want to lead any longer. Therefore, we having this ministry, faint not. Now, what do you need to do when you're navigating that kind of turmoil and that kind of tension? Well, one of the things is you're going to have to lead with your faith. You are going to have to lead with your faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith, let me just take a moment. In Romans chapter 12, it says to everyone has been given a measure of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, by grace are you saved through faith. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And then we have Peter in his writings saying that we have the same faith. The reason that's important to you is that you don't have secondhand faith. You don't have hand-me-down faith. Your faith is as important as anyone else's faith. So we may look at people and say, oh, well, they've got faith. Can I tell you, you have that same faith? Well, their faith is you have that same faith. Well, when they believe you have that same faith, what you need to understand is that your faith is real 
and that you have the same faith. The same kind of faith that Peter talked about, we having obtained like precious faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Romans chapter 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You have faith. It's not a lower quality of faith. It's not a lower dimension of faith. It's not a different type of faith. You have the same faith, the same kind of faith that the Apostle Paul had, the same kind of faith that Peter had, the same kind of faith that the Apostle John had, you having the same spirit of faith. But here's the thing. Having faith doesn't mean you're using faith. So, we having the same spirit of faith that is according to written, it is written accordingly. I believe, I believe, if you have that same kind of faith that Paul has, if you have that same kind of faith that Peter has, and you have that same kind of faith that John has, we've just given you verses that say you do, then believe. Having faith and not using it is worse than having no faith. You having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore spoke. Now, here's the reason your faith is important, is that your faith is the bridge between heaven and earth. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that says? It says any blessing that you need, any of the richness of God, spirit, soul, and body, totally and completely that you need, you've been blessed with. But do you realize what it says? In heavenly places. You don't live in heaven. You live down here on earth. But that's the dynamic. God's in heaven. You're down here on earth. It's the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That your will will be done down here as it is in heaven. See, here's the thing. The thing that takes a blessing from heaven and makes it real down here on earth is faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So you've got to lead with your faith. You've got to lead knowing you have the same kind of faith as Paul. We having the same spirit of faith. As Peter, we having obtained like precious faith. As John, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You have that same kind of faith, but you need to activate that faith. You do it by believing and by speaking. We having that same spirit of faith as according as written, I believe and therefore spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. That brings us to something. The second book in. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, because 
we have all kinds of problems because the God of this world has sought to resist what God wants to do because faith isn't easy. It's sometimes hard. It's easy to lose heart. But here's the thing. We do not lose heart. You have every reason to quit. Just don't. Some of you, you have every reason. Right now, the money's down. Don't quit. You can't meet with your people. Don't quit. You're not sure what to do. Don't quit. You're not sure how to handle things. Don't quit. Here's the thing. You have a reason to quit. Just don't take it. But if I'm not going to lose heart, how do I stop that? Well, here's the deal. You're going to have to go deep. Because Paul's honest. He says, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer man is perishing, we're living under the weight of this. This is too big. It's too much. It's too long. See, it's the terrible twos. Too much, too big, and too long. Too much. I'm just having to do too much. It's going too long. It's just too long. And it's too soon. Man, I get over one thing and I'm having to deal with another. Too much, too soon, and too long. The terrible twos. So our outward man is just feeling like, man, I'm just going to give up. I've got to mail it in. But what does Paul say? He says, you've got to go deep. He says, even though your outer man is perishing, your inward man is being renewed day by day. You've got to go beyond your flesh and you've got to go to your heart. You've got to go from the outside to the inside. You've got to go from the superficial to the deep. You've got to go deep on the inside. See, physical strength isn't enough to do ministry. You've got to go deeper than your physical stamina. You've got to go to your spiritual strength. You've got to go deeper than your physical stamina. You have to go deeper. You've got to go to your spiritual strength. See, you're stronger on the inside than you are on the outside. I don't care what your regimen is. You are stronger on the inside. Why? Because the Bible says things like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we tend to isolate that verse and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my famous line is, then why aren't you? See, Paul was talking about being in prison, being before a judge who was telling him that he would be martyred because he would not renounce his faith. God was telling him, I've given you a mission. It's not an easy job. You're going to preach before the highest levels of Rome. You are going to tell the gospel to those at the center of the control of the government of the world at that time. But in doing that, it's going to require that you be a prisoner so that you can appeal to Rome. It's going to require that they pass judgment, which means you're going to have to have your verdict judged ultimately by the Roman emperor. And therefore, all of this is going to allow you to tell the story of Christ. But in telling that story, there's going to be a price 
and that price is you're going to have to give up your life. Here's the thing. When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he wasn't talking about having a bad day. He was talking about having a tough mission. God's asking you to do something that you don't want to do. So how do you do that? Because Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But in Ephesians 3.16, he says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. God says he wants to strengthen you. It's not something that happens outside. It happens inside. How does God do it? By his spirit in the inward man. Well, if I'm strong on the inside, what does that look like? Colossians chapter 1 verse 11, being strengthened with all might. He says, here you're being strength, but he describes that strength. He says, with patience, long suffering, and joy. He says, I'm going to strengthen you so that you can do all things through Christ. I'm going to do it by strengthening you in your spirit. And when you're strengthened in your spirit, it's going to show up as patience. You can handle a bad day. Long suffering, you can handle tough people. And joy, you can handle a bad moment in life. So he says, I'm going to give you strength in three forms. Patience to handle a bad day. I'm going to give you long suffering to handle bad people. And I'm going to give you joy to handle bad life. But what he says is, that you're renewed day by day. You can take a break from a lot of things, but you cannot take a break from your time with God. Now, Paul goes on and he teaches us how to lead. He says, when we want to quit, here's how you lead. You lead from big to small, not from small to big. He says, for our light affliction is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight. You don't look at the problem you have. You look at heaven that you have. You lead from big to small. Secondly, you lead from heaven to earth. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. What does he say? You look at heaven more than you look at earth. And then he says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, look at tomorrow more than you look at today. He says, for the light affliction is but for a moment. He said, in the scope of eternity, it's just a few seconds. So what has he said? If you want to faint, here's how you lead. You lead because God's strengthening you in your heart so that you can lead from big to small, from heaven to earth, from tomorrow to today. That's how we do it. It's not easy, but it is the skill that we learn to do if we are going to lead effectively. My prayer is, is this. You've been given this ministry, but do not give up. We need you. We need you more than we've ever needed you. This is what Paul's talking about. Thank you so much for joining me again. 
the book Paul on Leadership. What would Paul say to a new leader, a growing leader, to every leader, a mature leader, seven fears that leaders have to face to lead? Maybe you should go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and grab that book and make that a tool to help you with some of your leaders. And then if you're interested in a Zoom call where you would get key leaders together, call Cody Brooks. If you'll call him, he'll tell you what's involved in that. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.